You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Well, I'm ready to preach a word to y'all. Y'all ready to hear from God? Okay, sweet. We are, um, we're going to be continuing tonight in a series that we kicked off last week called Names. Somebody say Names. Names. And uh, this series, it's a series, it's like a study, we're going deep, um, on the many names of God. We're talking about the names of God. And there's a ton of different ways that you and I can address God. There's a bunch of different names. The Bible is filled to the brim with different names, different labels, different attachments to God. Um, And if we were going to hit every single name of God, we'd probably be in this series till like the end of the year. So we probably should have called this series like names, a series on some of the names of God. (laughs) But that's okay. That doesn't doesn't have a good ring to it. So we just called it a series on the names of God. But we're going to be spending the next month looking at names because names are not just labels for God, but they reveal a new angle of his character. That's what names are. And we talked about this last week. The names of God tell us what he's like. They tell us what he's like towards us, who he is. And it's important to know those things because we talked about this last week. The way you answer the question, who is God, is a really important answer. Like the way you answer that is so important that it actually dictates the whole rest of your life. Like it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a person who grew up in church your whole life. You got saved in children's ministry when you were four years old. Anybody in the room? Okay, you don't have to show off in front of us. Like, we get it. But uh, it doesn't matter if you got saved when you were four years old. It doesn't matter if you haven't stepped foot in a church until just now, and you don't even believe God exists. It doesn't matter who you are. The way you choose to live your life is answering the question, who is God to you? Like the way, the way you choose to love other people is telling other people who God is to you. The, the way you choose to handle your money, your finances, is a reflection of who you think God is to you. The, the way that you know God, the way that you relate to God, is dependent upon who you see God as, if you see him as relatable or not, if you see him as a father, as somebody who wants to be in relationship with you, or if you see him as distant and far off. Does that make sense? The way we answer this question, who is God, is super, super important. And the unfortunate thing, which is what we're talking about in this series, is many people answer that question not based upon who God actually is, but they answer it based upon their perspective and their experiences. Like It's kind of like this. I've used this analogy before, but um, it's like somebody coming up to you, and they're talking about somebody that you're close to. Maybe it's like a best friend or like a brother or sister or something, and maybe they had like one bad interaction with them, and they come up to you and they're like, oh, dude, that person's such a jerk. And in the back of your head, you're thinking, okay, I actually know this person, and they are not like that. So maybe you just had a bad experience. Or like how many of you would in that moment be like, hey, I'm sorry that you felt that way, but I know them. They're not actually like that. Has that ever happened to you before? That's happened to me before, and this is what happens so many times with God, is people have a bad experience, whether that be from church or just life, because life is hard. 
And then they answer the question, who is God, based upon that, and not based upon who he actually is, right? And so we're talking about names because they show us who God is, and it's important to know who God actually is. And so last week we learned that God has a name. Somebody say he has a name. He's got a name. It's not Lord. It's not God. It's not Father. Those are things we can call him, but his name is Yahweh. Somebody say Yahweh. 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 That's a pretty, we should start bringing that back. Like, who wants to start praying and, like, when instead of saying Father God, you say Yahweh? We should start doing that at New Song Students. Anyway, we learned about Yahweh. We learned that his name is not just a label, but it has a meaning, right? It means that he's God and we are not. Somebody say amen. He is God and we are not. He's always God. He's always gonna be God and he's able. He's able to do whatever. He wants to do because he is able. And so tonight we're continuing with this series, Names, looking at another name found in Scripture. So uh, I need you to do whatever you need to do tonight to get the most out of this word. Maybe for you that's just leaning in, listening, following along with the screen. Maybe for you that's taking your notes out on your phone or handwriting, whatever you need to do, do it. Sound good? Okay, so our uh, Scripture tonight We're going to be looking in Judges chapter 6. Last week we looked at an Old Testament story where a dude named Moses has this crazy encounter with God. There's a burning bush. God's talking to him. We're going to move forward in the story to another encounter that somebody has um, with God. And, you know, I'm going to be honest, New Song students. I was tempted to just read this whole chapter to you guys. (laughs) Because y'all know I like my messages chunky. Like, I, I like... Y'all know I don't, I, lo- I don't like throwing out like just one sentence verses. I like to read big chunks. Like I was so proud of Maddie when she was up here and she read like all of John 14 during that oversight. I was like, yes. That's because we like it chunky here at New Song Students. But I, I want you to know I do that on purpose. I do that because I, I think you guys can handle God's word. That's right. I think you guys can handle it. And so I'm not afraid I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to read a big chunk of scripture, but tonight I was like, I got to actually preach too, so I can't read all of chapter 6. But here's what's happening in chapter 6. Judges, the book of Judges, is honestly a really sad book in the Bible. It's sad because it's about the children of Israel being in the promised land, but not experiencing the promised land. Because they're out of God's will, they're like, worshiping false gods, they're just sinning, they're not trusting in God, and so they are like experiencing some stuff. (laughs) They're getting overtaken by people. And in the chapter six, we find the children of Israel, they're in the promised land, but they're out of God's will. So it's pretty interesting. You can like be where God wants you, but not be in his will. It's pretty crazy. So we see this in the story, and the reason why they're out of God's will is because they're just not choosing to follow him. They're worshiping false gods. They're sinning. And so God is allowing other nations to overtake them. (laughs) Kind of crazy. And so the Midianites are overtaking Israel at this moment. And so Israel, they're like hiding in caves. And they're like hiding in valleys because they don't want to get overtaken. And they cry out to God. God decides to come to a guy named Gideon. Who's ever heard of Gideon before? Yes. (laughs) Gideon, yes, not the piano player here, but he's pretty cool too. Um, No, no, no. Gideon in the Old Testament, God comes to him and he says, Gideon, I'm going to use you to defeat the Midianites. 
I'm going to be with you. Don't be afraid. Mighty man of valor. So he comes to Gideon, tells him he's going to use him. And uh, this is kind of where we pick up. Gideon's having this encounter with God. God's talking to him. Here's what it says. Verse 22. It's up on the screen if you want to follow along with me. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon realizes, oh my gosh, God is talking to me right now. And then Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Somebody say face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. Remember that. Somebody say, the Lord is peace. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the hard word that I'm not going to read right now. Um, Yeah, whatever that is. Um, So check this out. In this story, in the book of Judges, we're given a new name for God right here. Right here. This is the only time this name comes up in the Bible, by the way. The Lord is peace, which translates to this, Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. That's a cool name. Okay, we're talking tonight about the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. Before we get into it, though, let's pray. You guys can bow your heads, close your eyes. And let's just invite the Holy Spirit in tonight. Father God, we thank you so much for your word, God. I thank you that your word is truth, that your word is eternal, that, God, we could read your word every single minute of every single day and find something new because you've breathed living life into it, God. And we thank you for your word tonight and what it's going to show us about your character, who you are, a new side of your face, God. I thank you that you are Yahweh. You are God. You are all-powerful. You can do anything. And I pray that tonight as we invite you in, that you would just show every single one of us what it means to be in relationship with Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Okay. Um, I was thinking about this today. I think there's some things that everybody likes. Everybody likes. Like, you know, we all like different things, like specific things, but there's, there's like things that everybody likes. So like I I thought of some, and you can just agree with me because you're going to like these things too, probably. Um, But let's just get the first one out of the way, money. Don't be like, don't be too humble and be like, nah, I don't like money. Like I watch, I watch Mr. Beast. He's one of my guilty pleasures. Who's ever seen Mr. Beast on YouTube? He has too much money, but he gives money away. And I've never seen him give money to somebody and somebody be like, nah, I'm cool. Like, never. Because he's giving you, he's like, hey, if you, if you shake my hand, I'll give you $10,000 right now. And nobody's like, I don't need $10,000. Like, that's crazy because everybody, everybody wants money, right? Don't be too humble. You want money too. Um, everybody, everybody wants somebody to love. Oh. But for real, everybody Everybody wants somebody to love. And I'm not just talking about like a romantic relationship. I'm talking we all want somebody to love, to be in relationship with, whether it's a family member or a best friend or spouse one day. Hello. Um, we all want somebody to love because that's like, that's, cre- that's in our DNA. That's how God created us. A couple other things that I think everybody wants. I think everybody wants to be healthy, right? Like, and I don't mean like a bodybuilder or like, like you want to be able to run up sub four minute mile or that's crazy town 
Um, but I'm just, I'm saying, I think everybody would like to like be healthy and not be sick and in the hospital, right? Everybody would agree they like that. Okay. How about um, everybody wants to rule the world? Did somebody get that? <laughs> Did nobody, tears for fears? Okay, thank you. I knew somebody wasn't going to get that, but I just had to say that. I had to throw that in there. Um, I think everybody, I think everybody likes clothes. Now, I'm not saying the same clothes, but I think, I mean, all of you guys are wearing clothes, so I'm assuming you guys all like wearing clothes, right? Okay. Um, last one I could think of is um, everybody, everybody likes In-N-Out. Um, and if you don't like In-N-Out, it's because you don't know yet. It's just because you don't know yet, and we're praying for you. <laughs> I'm going to get booed off of this stage tonight. Oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. I had to. I had to because everybody, get out of here with your Wendy's. Okay, okay, okay. Sheesh. Okay. Bring it in, bring it in, bring it in. Man, I knew I shouldn't have brought in and out into the picture. Anyway, we all like, we all like different things, but at the end of the day, there's, there's things that we all want in life some similar things that we all want. I think on top of all of these things that I've listed, and I'll take in and out of the equation, uh, something that I think every single person wants is peace. Peace. Uh, and, and it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much money you make. doesn't matter how hard you work. doesn't matter at all. I think every single person, every single person wants to experience peace in their life. Would you agree with me? Everybody wants to experience peace. And even though we all want to experience peace, it's something that we desire. Sometimes I think it can be one of the hardest things to get and even harder to keep at times, right? And I'm not just talking about the world. I'm talking about Christians. Like, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. I'm talking to Jackson. Sometimes I think peace can be hard to find. And we live in a really anxious world. We live in a really anxious world. Anxiety all forms of anxiety, all forms of anxiety disorders um, are rampant in the world. Anxiety is the most common mental illness in the United States. Out of all the mental illnesses, all of them relate to an anxiety disorder on some point. And check this out. Out of every single person in the United States who's dealing with some form of anxiety, only 30% of people are actually like seeking help for it. So that means most people are just kind of living with this unrest in their spirit, this state of anxiety, this unhealth. And unfortunately, I don't know about you, but it seems like it's no different in the church. Like the world feels that, but I, I don't know about you, but I, I think I'd, it's safe to say that most people in the church feel the same amount of anxiety as in the world. That's because we live in an anxious world. You know, I tried, to, I tried to find some statistics for like anxiety in the church and I had a hard time finding some, but then I thought, I don't really think I need to look for any because just being honest, I mean, how many of you would, would agree with me that it's probably something that's talked about at least once in our small groups every week? We probably talk about anxiety at least once in our small groups. And, and every time, not just at students, that there's an altar call, I promise you, one person's going to be coming down for something related to anxiety. Um, if you go on your version app, your Bible app, and you go to that tab where you want to find a Bible reading plan, I promise you one of the main tabs is going to be plans on anxiety. And I went onto that today, and I was scrolling, and there's thousands, 
thousands of Bible reading plans on anxiety because anxiety is something that most people feel. I mean, we talked about anxiety a couple months ago in, in my feelings. Remember, Annie preached an incredible word on anxiety, and we did that because we know it's, it's not just something you guys face. It's something we all face. It's something we all face. Anxiety is something that even as Christians, we experience. And while all of what I'm saying, it might be encouraging you because you're like, oh, man, I'm not the only one. And that's true. I want you to know you're not the only one who's ever experienced anxiety anxiety before. The truth is, check this out. We're not called to live in anxiety. Like, I want you to know you're not alone, but at the end of the day, we're not called to live under anxiety. As Christians, we don't have to live getting beat up every single day by our anxiety. That's not actually the life God's called you to live. He's called you to live a life not free from feeling anxiousness, but he's called you to live a life to where when you feel anxiousness, you live above it, not under it. Does that make sense? And, um, and so we're going to be talking about this tonight because we find in this passage, um, God's given a new name. The Lord is peace. And that translates to Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. And I think the first thing that we need to understand about the peace of God and his name, this new angle that we're looking at, with God, if you're taking notes, write this down, is the peace of God is a promise. The peace of God is a promise. Um, I'm going to read a scripture. It's actually Maddie stole it. She was, she's been stealing all my stuff tonight, but it's because we prayed this week. Um, and uh, this is, like Maddie said, it's Jesus. He's getting ready to ascend back into heaven, and he's leaving his disciples, and he tells them, that he's leaving them with a gift. Here's what he says. This is a promise, not just to his disciples, but to all of his disciples, you and me included. Check this out. This is what it says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So in this passage right here, Jesus is promising us Peace, but he's not just promising us like that great value generic peace that the world offers. We're getting that name brand peace. <laughs> that name brand peace. We're getting his peace. Check this out. There's a quote that I found. It's from a commentary on this passage. Here's what it says It says, Jesus, he carefully described the peace as my peace. His peace was not a heart troubled and unfearful, or untroubled and unfear, or his heart. Or his, sorry, I'm going to restart that. Is that okay with you? Sometimes, sometimes you just got to restart a passage. Here we go. I just want it to hit real good for y'all. He carefully described the peace as my peace. His peace was a heart untroubled and unfearful in spite of the suffering and conflict ahead of him. So check this out. The peace that Jesus offers us is a powerful peace because we're literally invited to experience the same level of peace that he experienced. When he was going towards the cross and he knew what was ahead of him, he wasn't overtaken by anxiety. Even though he did feel it, he lived above it. He had the peace of God and we're invited to experience that same peace of God. It's a promise that is offered to every single believer, you and me included. And check this out. As we learned last week, uh, God is always God. And that means God is 
always going to be consistent. That means if God says he's going to give you something, how many of you know he's going to give it to you? Because he's perfect. He can't lie. So if he says, I'm going to give you my peace, guess what? You get perfect peace. You get to experience the peace of Jesus. But how many of you know sometimes there's a disconnect? Because <laughs> sometimes we don't feel that peace in our hearts. Have you ever been there before? As Christians, sometimes we don't feel the perfect peace that Jesus offers us. So where's the disconnect? Like what happens? Because I think for a fact there's plenty of people in this room who when I read that Jesus gives you peace, you instantly were like, oh, I don't know about that. Because maybe you feel a lot of anxiety. And sometimes you feel like you're overtaken by it. But I want to promise you what Jesus promises us, that he promises to give us his peace. So we're going to talk about the disconnect. And I feel like this is what the disconnect is. I feel like the Holy Spirit gave it to me like this. What if we're measuring our peace with the wrong measurement? What if we're measuring our peace with the wrong measurement? Um, in other words, like he was talking to me about this, but Jackson, he was saying, Jackson, when you ask for peace from me, what exactly are you expecting to get? Because the way you answer that question is going to determine how you experience my peace. And that's because how many of you know, using like the correct standard of measurements on something is important. Y'all know, and you've probably learned in like math or science, if you're like mixing stuff in chemistry and you use the wrong measurements, the wrong standard, something's going to explode, right? <laughs> um, I've got a personal story about this. Uh, one time, uh, Haley and I, were, you know, we're watching our cooking show because that's what we do. This was last year. And um, we were watching this show and they taught us personally. They taught me and Haley personally <laughs> how, to bi- how to build, how to make this incredible breakfast dish that I had never had before. And it's a pancake tray bake. So it's like pancake batter, but you cook it in a tray. And then you mix peanut butter and jelly in it. So literally, it's a massive, it's a massive pancake that is also a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And you bake it, you pour syrup all over it. Literally, I'm telling you guys, it changed my life. Um, so we watched it on this show. Uh, I can't remember what the show was, but we watched it and I was like, we have to make this. So we made it one night. It came out so fluffy and delicious. The peanut butter was melting into the, like the jelly. It was just so good. So good. So as always, you guys know, when I experience something that I like, I'm probably going to tell you guys about it. So I'm at the office and like, this was back when our offices were in this little house and I'm telling David, David Terry's our worship pastor, by the way. He's not here tonight. We miss him. But I'm telling him, dude, we made the most delicious cake, and you eat it for breakfast. And he's like, dude, you guys should come over for breakfast this week. And I was like, we'll make it for you this Friday. So um, Friday rolls around, and we're going to have breakfast with the Terry's. So I'm super pumped. I get up early. And I go to the kitchen, and I'm, like, getting the batter ready. I'm mixing it up, and I'm getting my peanut butter melted and my jelly. I'm putting everything in there, and um, I bake it. And when I'm baking it, you know, something's smelling a little iffy. But I'm just kind of, like, rolling with it because we got to go to their house or we'll be late. So we pull it out, and it looks fine, but it kind of smells a little funky. Um, 
and we get to the Terry's house. And this is one of those things where it's like so disappointing because you've been talking this up for weeks. And I've been talking this cake up for weeks. And we all get a plate and we sit down and nobody said anything. But we were all like, ooh. Because <laughs> this cake, y'all, I don't know what exactly I did, but in my measurements, I got the olive oil wrong. So I, I ended up putting like way too much olive oil in. And this was literally just like, it was like an olive oil cake with peanut butter in it. And it was so embarrassing because like nobody said anything. And I was like, oh man, this tastes really bad. And they're like, oh, it's fine. And I'm like, I know you just got punched in the face with olive oil. And it was really embarrassing, and they never invited us back over for breakfast, which is sad. Um, but how many, of you, how many of you know, like, using the correct measurements is important, right? Because if you don't, you're going to get disappointed. You're going to end up with a thing that you don't like, doesn't taste good. You're going to disappoint your friends on breakfast. Measurements are important. And check this out. It's the same way when it comes to us asking God for peace. Here's what I mean by this. Check this out. Let's go back to the story of Judges. We find Gideon, we find the children of Israel, and they're in this terrible spot because the Midianites are taking them over, and they're definitely not feeling peace in this moment. And God comes to Gideon, and he promises, hey, I'm going to be with you, and also, you're going to defeat the Midianites. It's going to be awesome. Here's what he says. It says, then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Somebody say face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace. Somebody say peace. Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon, this is really important. Then Gideon built an altar to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. Check this out. This is a super important detail when we're reading this. Gideon builds the altar and calls it Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace, before he ever sees the victory. Like, before he ever saw the Midianites defeated, he already experienced God's peace. That's a really big detail for us to, to receive because, check this out, that shows us that God's peace is completely independent upon outcomes turning out in our favor. Uh, here's, here's what I mean by that. Um, if we're going to ask God for his peace, we need to know what's different between his peace and what the world sees as peace. Here's how the world sees peace. Peace, and from Google, Google's definition is this. It's the absence of war or conflict, freedom from disturbances or tranquility. So that's what the world's peace is. This kind of peace is completely dependent upon how things are going in your world. How are your relationships? How's your job? How's, how's your school going? How, how are your expectations being met? That's going to determine whether or not you're in peace or not according to the world. But check this out. God's peace is completely different because God's peace is, or the peace of God is not the absence of trouble. The peace of God is not the absence of trouble. And this is where I think the, the disconnect is. I wonder if many times we're asking God, like, God, I'm feeling anxious because of all of these things. Would you give me some peace? And we don't actually know what we're asking for. 
Like, I wonder if when we're asking God for peace, what we think is God's going to just make all of our troubles go away. Like, I wonder if we think that the peace of God is him, like, taking away that responsibility that kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. Or maybe if I get the peace of God, then he'll take away that decision that I have to make. Like, and he'll just make the decision for me. Or maybe the pressure that I feel at school, he'll just, like, make that disappear. And I think I wonder if we feel like we don't feel God's peace because we're measuring it by our outside sources changing. Does that make sense? But we need to know what God's peace is because it's different. It's not dependent upon your outside sources changing, even though he can change them. We're going to see that in a second. It's it's not dependent upon that. It's dependent upon who he is. So check this out. When we ask God for his peace, we think we're getting a different outcome, but what we're actually receiving is not an outcome. We're receiving a person. If you're taking notes, write this down. The peace of God is God. The peace of God is not anything changing on the outside. The peace of God is the presence of God. The peace of God is, check this out, available at all times because God is available to you at all times. The peace of God doesn't come when the conflict is over. It doesn't come after you go through that trial and then it ends up working out good and you're happy. That's not when the peace of God comes. The peace of God comes before, during, and after the trial. Because that's where God is during your trials. He's present in every single moment. Check this out. Where does Gideon receive the peace of God? Where does Gideon discover this name, Jehovah Shalom? It's when he realizes, look at this. Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Where does, where does Gideon realize that he's got God's peace? When he's with God. When he realizes I'm in the presence of God. Check this out. Second Thessalonians 3.16 says this. It says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. Somebody say in every way. The Lord be with you at all times. So how do we experience God's peace? Well, when we ask for God's peace, what we're not asking for is for him to change our outside sources. He can do that, and sometimes he does. But what we're asking for and what we're actually receiving is himself. We're receiving God, his presence. So how do we experience it? And I want to just give you a couple points as we close tonight. Um, how do we experience the peace of God? I think Isaiah 26.3 shows it pretty simply to us. Check this out. It says, you keep him in perfect peace. Somebody say perfect peace. Perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Or another translation say set on you because he trusts you. So check this out. We experience the peace of God when we set our minds on the things of God. And you know, it takes time to set your mind towards something. You know, um, when you set an alarm clock in the morning for the first, I don't know, depends on how committed you are, I guess, but for the first month or two, it's going to be hard to get up when that alarm goes off. But over time, when you're consistent, your internal body clock actually sets with your alarm clock. And if you're consistent, you'll actually start waking up like right when that alarm clock goes off or even before that alarm clock goes off because you've consistently thought 
on that habit and it just starts to happen. And I, I think that when we consistently ju- learn to choose God, when we learn to choose in every moment of our anxiety, hey God, I invite you in. In that moment, we're setting our mind and we're learning to respond to God's presence over our anxiety. And there's a really cool promise in this verse. Look what it says. It says, God keeps us in perfect peace. So sometimes we think that it's our job. It is our job to think on it, but this is the promise. When we think on him, he keeps us in perfect peace. He keeps us in perfect peace because we trust in him. Check this out. I think another thing we need to do is this. Philippians 4.16, you've heard this before, but it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, somebody say every situation, every single situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I think sometimes we hear this and we're like, I just got to pray about my anxiety. It's like, yeah. We've been talking about this in our guys' small group, but I think sometimes we overcomplicate prayer. Here's what I think you can start with. Write down a list of everything that's causing you anxiety right now, the big things, the little things, and don't just give the big things to God. Give the whole list to him. Give the whole list to God. And when you begin to do that, you'll learn in every single anxious thought that rises. Because check this out. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Sometimes we hear that and we think it's a sin to be anxious. That's not what this verse is saying. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation. In other words, there's going to be situations that cause anxiety. In every situation, don't choose to stay there. Choose to give that burden to God. So, how do we stay in God's peace? We, well, we stay in his presence. We stay set on him. We stay giving him our burdens through prayer. But I think there's one more thing, and we actually see this in the story of Gideon. It's not just being in the presence of God, but we also experience the peace of God when we're fully submitted to God. And we talked about this a little bit last week with the authority of God. But in this story, God tells Gideon, peace be with you. So he's, I'm I'm giving you my peace. I'm giving you the victory. Guess what? You already know the end of the story. You're going to win. And it's going to be awesome. But then he looks down at Gideon's army and he's like, hey, but your army's way too big. I'm going to need you to send some people home. (laughs) Because if you win like this, you're going to think you did it and not me. So Gideon, which I don't know about you, he probably felt a little anxiety from that command from God. (laughs) Even though he's in the peace of God. After he, he obeys God, even though it doesn't make sense, and he goes from having 32,000 troops to just 10,000. So that's a big cut. That's two-thirds. Well, then God looks down again, and he says, ah, still too many. Now, Gideon, praise the Lord, still obeys, and his army goes from 10,000 to just 300, which is an even bigger cut. Um, but he obeys even when it doesn't make sense. Now, how many of you know, how many times do we, we hear the end story. We know God's going to give us the victory. God turns all things together for good. But then when God actually asks us to do something that's uncomfortable, we think, well, do I really need to do that? Because I already know the end goal. And we don't obey. And then we wonder why we're not experiencing the peace of God. Here's what I want to show you tonight. The reason why Gideon stayed in the peace of God is because he was under the protection of God because he was submitted. He was, he was willing to obey God even when it made no sense. So my question for you tonight, New Song students, is, yeah, maybe you are 
inviting God in. You're inviting his presence. You're thinking on him. You're giving him your list. And if you are, I wanna, I wanna tell you I'm proud of you for that. But the peace of God doesn't just stop there. What has he asked you to do? Maybe you felt in, in church or on, at your house in your quiet times, maybe you felt God leading you to sacrifice something that you kind of didn't want to sacrifice. Like maybe God led you to, you heard him in, in your heart say, hey, maybe you should delete TikTok. And I'm not, I'm not saying TikTok's bad and I'm not saying you need to delete it. I'm saying, what if God said that to you and you were like, it's not that big of a deal and you didn't obey and you're wondering why I don't experience God's peace. Well, maybe it's because you're not under his protection. It doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It doesn't mean you're going to hell. It just means you're not under his protection. What has God asked you to do? Maybe he's asked you to end that relationship that you know is unhealthy, but you're afraid to because you don't want to and you're wondering why you're not experiencing peace. What has God asked you to do? What's the last thing God's asked you to do? Have you done it yet? I promise you, when you walk in step with God, when you obey him and you invite him in, you begin to experience a peace that the Bible says makes no sense. You could be in the middle of chaos. Your, mind, your, your life could look like a wreck, but you're standing in the peace of God because you're protected by the peace of God because you've obeyed God, you've trusted in him, because his way is better than our way. So tonight, New Song students, before we go to a small group, I wanna invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. We're just gonna give the Holy Spirit a second to speak. Maybe you're here tonight, and you, you definitely aren't experiencing the peace of God in your life. Maybe that's you. Well, first off, I want you to know We've already said it tonight, but the peace of God is a promise for you. Jesus paid too high of a price for you not to experience it. It's available to you. So if it's available to us and we're not experiencing it, we gotta figure out where's the disconnect. Maybe tonight you just need to ask that question to the Holy Spirit. He's in this room. Maybe you need to ask him, Holy Spirit, what's the disconnect in my heart? It's not that I'm a bad person. It's not that I need to necessarily be working harder for you, but where am I missing it? Is there something that you've asked me to do that I haven't trusted you with? Am I just not seeking you in prayer? Is that something I can start doing? Or have I not realized that you really are with me in everything, you're present in every moment? What's he saying to you? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Father God, we thank you so much that you are a good father. You're a perfect God. And you give us the perfect gift, not just of peace, but you give us your son's peace. And so I pray that that gift would just begin to flip, fill this room, God. Fill this room to the top, every single heart, every single mind. I pray that anxiety in this room would flee in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray that, God, you would just continue to stir in our hearts. Show us where, where, we're, where we're just not trusting you and where you're inviting us so sweetly to trust you more, whether that's with our school or our relationships or 
or, or that conversation that we have to have tomorrow where we're feeling anxious, God, I, pr- I pray that you would fill us up with your peace that goes before us, that stands behind us, that is here right now with us, God. We trust you. We love you, and I pray that you would continue to speak to us the rest of the night in small groups. We love you. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' name, and everybody said...